Hey, we got you, Brett. Appreciate Good it. Good deal. Yeah. Thank, thanks for joining today. You got All it, right, man. Guys, we, all right, guys. We got a special guest joining us. It's Brett McMurphy, college football expert. Um, and Brett, just thanks so much again for joining us. And we'll just get started here. Just kind of, you know, we got a lot of us here on this Sooner Surge. Got some high school guys going into college for journalism. Could you just kind of tell us when did you decide? I know you went to OSU for journalism. When did you decide that's something you wanted to do? You know, I, d I took journalism classes in high school, to be very honest, because all the hot chicks were in journalism. <laughs> <laughs> did the yearbook and stuff. <laughs> um, I played, you know, high school sports and all that. I love sports. I love, you know, writing about sports. And um, I actually had like a partial scholarship to go to uh, Easy Credit University. You guys know it better is East Central. Okay. And um, yeah. I was actually going to go there and play football. And my journalism teacher in high school, Kim Postlick at UConn High School, forced me to sit down and fill out a scholarship application at Oklahoma State to work in the sports information office and major in journalism. I told her I couldn't do it. I was going to be late to my next class. She said, I already talked to your teacher. Sit down and fill it out. She literally forced me to do it. I did it. I got a journalism scholarship. They're paid for my school to go to Oklahoma State. So I switched uh, immediately my plans and ended up going to Oklahoma State. And ironically, I know you. this is an OU uh, podcast. I grew up like the biggest OU fan in the world. My my parents were big OU fans. My sister, two years younger than me, went to OU. She was actually a roughneck queen when she uh -huh. was at Oklahoma. So I guess I was the, the black and orange sheep of the family. And my allegiance literally switched overnight when Oklahoma State said, hey, we'll give you a scholarship. And so that's how I got into journalism. So, yes, I can be bought is the, is the uh, <laughs> bottom line here. Yeah, it's cool to hear about your journey into uh, journalism. I'm going to be going to OU uh, this fall for journalism at Gaylord. So with OU getting into the OU stuff right now, uh, we all saw the reports last week on that there's a good chance that the OU Texas move to the SEC is delayed till 2025. And we saw your tweet, obviously, on that that's not necessarily the case. It's still a possibility that they go early. So what's going on in that whole situation? Yeah, I would say the the report and, you know, I'm not sure who reported it that said it's not going to happen until 2025 is, is inaccurate. I, I think there's still a good chance that it can happen in 2024. Um, you know, I reported back in December that there was momentum growing for OU and Texas to leave the, leave the Big 12 early for the SEC and make 2023 the last year in the Big 12. But also everyone that's involved, OU, Texas, the Big 12, ESPN and Fox, they all realize the challenges for this to happen. And it's not simply like, you know, you and I having a, you know, a negotiation and I'm like, okay, I'll give on this. And you're like, okay, I'll give on this. Okay, great. We got a deal because there's five different parties involved. So what I've been told right now is that you know, it's not this simple, but I'll try to make it simple. OU, Texas, and the Big 12 kind of have an understanding, if you will, or not necessarily agreement because nothing's been signed, but kind of an understanding on what it would take for OU and Texas to leave early to the SEC. And I think those three parties are okay with that. What is not settled is 
the compensation that ESPN wants for this to happen, because obviously uh, this impacts them with OU and Texas going to the SEC a year early. And also Fox. Fox loses the, the you know, financially because OU and Texas will not be on their net, on their network in 2024 if they're in the SEC. So how is Fox compensated? You know, you can't say, I can't say, ESPN can't say. You can't tell Fox what they need to be made whole. That's something they have to decide. And so that's where it gets tricky. So while OU Texas and the Big 12 may have this understanding of what it's going to take for those guys to leave early, Fox may say, you know what, we need this. And it may be more games down the road with OU and Texas playing at Big 12 stadiums, or it may be basketball inventory, or it may be money or something like that. And so then that could change the dynamic between OU, Texas, and the Big 12. And so that's where it's kind of, you know, it's kind of challenging. The good news is everybody involved, OU, Texas, the Big 12, Fox, and ESPN, they all want this to happen. But it's not going to happen unless all five parties feel like they're made whole or they're not taken advantage of. So I think whoever reported that, you know, maybe jumped the gun because I guess maybe one of the five parties felt frustrated that, hey, this isn't going to work. Um, you know, this isn't going to happen until 2025. The people I'm talking to say negotiations are continuing. They're still optimistic this can happen. It's not going to be easy. And the good news is there's not a drop dead deadline. It's not like this has to happen by next week or even next month or two months from now. I talked to somebody in the SEC when Missouri left the Big 12 for the SEC. They did that in November. They then started playing the following August or September, that football season. So we still have, you know, technically we still probably have like seven, eight, nine months left. So again, it's still working. Hopefully it happens. So that's a long-winded answer to say it's not dead, but it's not a done deal, but everyone's working for this to happen so they can get out in 2024. Uh, Brad, just wanted to ask you uh, for Oklahoma, if they potentially were to stay uh, in the SC or in the Big 12 for another year, do you think maybe that could benefit them as far as getting more uh, another recruiting class in more players? Venables getting another year to kind of build his talent. So do you think that would maybe help Oklahoma before they go to the SEC? I mean, you could uh, to be very honest, I don't I don't know. Um, you could spin it either way. You could spin it by saying, well, hey, if you're in the Big 12 another year, you obviously have an easier path to the college football playoff. In 2024, the playoff goes to 12 teams. You would think, you know, and I'm an Oklahoma State guy, that it's going to be easier to get the playoff if you're in the Big 12 than, you're in the, than if you're in the SEC. <laughs> if, you're, if your name's not Georgia and not Alabama. Yeah. Um, so you could spin it that way. Um, as far as recruiting, I mean, I think, you know, the way NIL is now and all this mess going on with that, I, I really – I don't think it really matters what conference you're in. Kids are going to go where they can play, where it's – you know, they feel like they can make the biggest impact, perhaps, you know, gain the most financially. Um, so I don't know. I guess part of your question could be maybe perhaps they could build the program and make it, you know, more stronger – um, so that when they do go into the SEC, uh, they'll be more prepared for that. Uh, you know, obviously this past year was was not what OU fans expected, not what Venables expected, not what Joe C expected. 
Um, but you know, you look at the the history of Oklahoma. That's that's usually a one year blip or a two year blip, um, and not a a long several season um, drawn out that would happen like that. The challenge for Oklahoma is, and also for Texas, is the degree of difficulty is 10 times harder now. And I'm saying that as a Big 12 guy, but that's the reality. I mean, there's more bodies to climb over in the SEC to get to the top. And you look what George has done. I mean, people are saying, is, is, you know, is the game past Saban by? No, there's going to be no one more dedicated this year than Saban to prove everybody wrong. But you look at what Kirby Smart's done at Georgia, if not for, for Tua coming in in the second half of that national title game, they would have won three of the last four titles. And mm-hmm. then you look what Brian Kelly did in year one at LSU. I mean, it was just, you know, we could, it's easier to list teams that don't have a chance in the SEC, Vanderbilt, than list teams that do. And so that's going to be the challenge for OU in Texas going forward in that 16 team league, which by the way, expect them to play nine conference games. So now your schedule got even harder than it did when it was in the big 12. Yeah, that's, and talk about the sec. What is, what are you hearing as far as, you know, we've heard many different ways that that's going to look with pod with pods or with divisions, or what are you hearing as far as sec in the future, what that's going to look like with how many teams they're going to have in there. Yeah. I mean, they, they, Nothing has been determined. Usually they vote on that at the spring meetings, which are in Destin, Florida, uh, the end of, end of May, around Memorial Day. Um, you know, obviously for OU in Texas, that'd be great if they knew they were going to be in in 2024 because then they could finalize those schedules. You know, there's a, there's a, lot, of, a lot of different opinions on this within the SEC. Some of the, some of the ADs, some of the schools, they want, you know, the 16 teams with no divisions. Other want other want pods. Um, some schools want it to stay at eight conference games. I don't think that's realistic because if you've got 16 teams and you only play eight conference games, you know, you're going to go, you know, five, six years before you can play everybody in, in your conference. I think the most popular model would, is you have three permanent opponents that you play every year, obviously for OU. You would think Texas would be one of those who the other two would be, you know, is up in the air. And you play those guys every every year, home and away, every other year. And then your other six opponents would rotate. You know, you probably, possibly play home and away against those six schools for the next two years. And then the next the years three and four, you'd have another six different schools. And so that way, potentially, if you have a player there that's there for four years, he would have the opportunity to play everybody in the league. So, but none of that stuff's been finalized. I don't think we're going to see divisions like they currently have them now. I think it'll be like the big 12 set up, no divisions, because especially with the way the college football playoff is going to be the, the highest rated conference champions get an automatic bid to the college football playoff. And so if you have two divisions and you have a weak division and somehow that team pulls off an upset, that then you may not get an automatic bid to the playoff. You obviously would get at large teams. So I think that's why they'll go without divisions when OU and Texas come on board. Yeah. Hey, hey, Brad, I I listened to some of your interviews last year before the season started on big 12 predictions. And, and you had, you had said multiple times that, you know, sleeper teams were TCU uh, in K-State and you were, golly, you were right on, obviously. 
But what was it about TCU that kind of uh, that tipped you off that they were going to have such a great year? I mean, they, they had an unbelievable year, Sonny Dykes. And, you know, the difference between Sonny Dykes' first year and Brent Venables at OU is just total difference. So just kind of what was it about TCU and what is it about Sonny Dykes that was able to just get that program right so quickly? Yeah, I just like – I mean, I just think Sonny's a, a good guy, so I was probably biased on that part. <laughs> um, and maybe I, maybe I, uh, you know, was ahead of my skis on that and just was fortunate to be right. Um, technically though, he didn't win the big 12. So I guess I was wrong on that aspect. <laughs> I never would have envisioned, and I don't think he would have either that they would get to the college football playoff. I just knew how, how good of an offensive coach he was. And he was in a horrible situation at Cal. He got to SMU. He did, a, he's, you know, one of the best offensive minds out there. And just talking to him at Big 12 Media Days in Dallas, you could tell how excited he was. And not that, you know, every coach is excited, but you could really tell that he felt like he had a lot better caliber athlete at TCU than he did at SMU. And that's not a slight at SMU. It's just the reality of being a Power 5 school or a Group of 5 school. And you could just tell that he kind of had all the pieces there. And, yeah, to show how smart Sonny is, um, you know, Max Duggan was the backup to start the year. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, things just broke right for them. Kansas State, Chris Kleiman, I think, is one of the more underrated coaches in the yes. country. I think, you know, folks in the Big 12 realize what a pain in the ass it is to play Kansas State. Because oh, yeah. they just – they yeah. just – they draw – they suck you into their style of play, and uh, it's hard to play. And, um, you know, I thought they would they would – be decent. The other thing is, I just thought the Big 12 was just so balanced. You know, I thought Baylor had the great year, but, you know, it's hard to repeat. You know, Oklahoma State, you know, I, I think Oklahoma State underachieved. You know, all the talent they had coming back offensively, they jumped out mm -hmm. of the gate. Gangbusters and then injuries killed them and just, you know, they just fell off a cliff at the end of the year. Um, so I, th I thought it was kind of wide open. I kind of, I kind of always think Texas is overrated, um, you know, and until they win a conference or actually playing a conference title game, I guess I'll continue to think that. Um, and so because of all those different factors, I just thought, you know what, you look at the odds and, you know, TCU is pr a pretty big long shot. And I'm like, well, if you're going to, if you're going to bet on somebody to win the big 12, take a flyer on a long shot, because I think they have as much of a chance as, is a Baylor or an OU or a Texas. And, you know, they did get to the title game. They didn't win it. And that's why I kind of like for this coming year, again, it's easy to, you know, I'm sure Texas is going to be the favorite because of all they have coming back and Manning coming on board. I'm sure TCU is going to be a favorite. It's going to be hard to repeat. A flyer that I like right now is Texas Tech. They return a ton. Uh, Joey McGuire did a great job mm -hmm. in his first year. You know, you guys know firsthand what they can do offensively. If they can, oh, yeah. if they can make a stop or two, mm -hmm. they can they can make some noise. So I kind of look at Texas Tech kind of like I did TCU. I'm not going to look guarantee Texas Tech's going to win the Big 12, but I think they've got enough pieces offensively, and they they finished strong at the second half of last season. Um, you know, I think they could maybe have a TCU type year within the Big 12. I'm not predicting they're going to get to the the, the college football playoff, but I think Texas Tech is one of those schools like TCU last year that kind of has those pieces in place. And look, they'll either make me look like a genius or an idiot, but I won't be surprised <laughs> either way. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Brett, do you think the college football playoff change and the change with going to 12 teams, do you think that will be good for the game? Um, you know, I do because I think more people are going to be involved. More, when we get to November, it's going to be like, you know, you're going to have 20 or 30 teams that have a legitimate shot to get to the playoff. And so I think that's a good thing. Do I think that means we're going to have a different champion? No, I think this st we're still going to have the same suspects, Georgia, mm -hmm. Ohio State, um, Alabama, those guys. Um, but I do think one thing that is actually going to be a consequence of this that I don't think a lot of people are looking at is I think the teams in these power conferences that are not among the top four, top three or four teams in the conference. So let's say, for instance, the SEC, if you're not Alabama, if you're not Georgia, uh, if you're not in LSU, or Tennessee is now, you know, moving up. If you're not one of those four teams and you're below that and say every year you finish fifth to ninth or whatever within the conference, you're probably not going to get, you're probably not going to get, going to get to the college football playoff. So what's going to happen? Their fan bases are going to look around and they're going to say, oh, wow, you, UCF is in the college football playoff. Um, Boise State's in the college football playoff. Um, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Texas Tech's in the college football playoff or whatever. Why can't we get to the playoff? We need to get rid of our coach. We need to find somebody <laughs> to get to the playoff. And I really think, and I hate that this is going to happen, but I really think that those teams kind of in the mid-tier that are almost good enough to get there but don't get there, that's going to be so frustrating for those fan bases when they look around the country and they see that two or three teams from the ACC, from the Pac-12, from the Big 12, from the SEC get in. Um, you know, two group of five teams. You got Sunbelt teams getting in. You have the teams from the Mountain West getting in. Everybody's getting in except you guys because – not you guys, Oklahoma, but that that mid-tier group, whoever that's made up of. And I think because of that, I think you're going to see a lot more turnover with, within the coaching ranks is if it can't get any more crazy. I think it can. And also maybe you have coaches that are at, you know, if you're at a, if you're at a Boise State or you're at a, you know, um, if you're at a USF or you're at a, you know, an a, a app state or something like that, and you have an offer to go to one of these mid-level power five jobs, maybe you have second thoughts because the money's so crazy now everywhere where you're like, well, look, if I stay here and I can dominate the Sun Belt or I can dominate the American or I can dominate the Mountain West, I'm guaranteed a playoff spot. If I go to middle of the road power five school, I've got to, you know, there's more bodies to climb over. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Tennessee. I don't know if I can get to that. So maybe I'm better off staying where I'm at. So that's something to keep keep your eye on, you know, three or four years down the road. Where OU and Texas, you know, end up in that mix is yet to be seen. Are they going to be, you know, one of the bell cows of the SEC? Certainly they have the brand recognition. That's why they're they're coming in. But will they be able to compete against, you know, the Alabamas and the Georgias um, and, and get over that hump and get into the playoff. Yeah, Brett, there's a lot of arguments on Twitter. I'm sure you see some of it on who's the number one quarterback in the class of 2023. Is it Arch Manning with Texas or Jackson Arnold at OU or Nico with Tennessee? Who do you think is the best quarterback in this class? 
Wait, there's arguments on Twitter. This is breaking news. I need to, I need to tweet that. I never knew that. Um, I'll be very honest with you. I used to follow recruiting like every day. And then finally I didn't have to. So I honestly would not have any, any opinion on that. Um, that's worth anything. Um, bottom line is, you know, I think whatever situation you're in contributes a lot to who's the best quarterback. And you look at Max Duggan's a perfect example. The guy didn't even start the season. I know he wasn't an incoming freshman, but it's kind of what the, the team is around you. So, you know, you got all the guys with all the grades. They're obviously highly, highly touted guys. But, um, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bail on you on this one on who the best QB is coming up. Hey, I understand that, man. Hey, what about you mentioned? I heard you say earlier NIL mess. Yeah, that's that's probably a very good way of describing this NIL. Uh, but what kind of overall thoughts on after a year with NIL? Is it worse than you expected? Better or about what you thought? <laughs> it's uh, I mean, it's now it's to the point where nothing surprises me. Um, Andy Staples of the Athletic did an incredible story on the the kid that was going to go to Florida and then got out of his NIL deal and now he's at Arizona State and they actually some businessmen in Florida were actually prepared to pay him 13 million dollars over four years he got a copy of the contract read that if you haven't had a chance that is so crazy and look I have no issue if somebody wants to pay a kid 13 million then more power to him I think I think players should be compensated um but I know coaches you know have an issue because there's no quote guardrails on this and they want to figure out how to make this equal for everybody i don't think you can at this point you know it's almost like you know building a super highway and not having a speed limit and letting everybody drive whatever speed they want for three years and then one day putting up a 35 mile per hour speed speed limit sign how mm -hmm. many people are going to drive 35 absolutely no one so I know the NCA is talking like they're going to start enforcing this more. I don't see how you enforce it. I don't think you can suddenly say, okay, these are the rules now. You got to follow this. We'll forget everything that happened in the past. Let's do this going forward. I don't know what the solution is. And I know a lot of people don't know what the solution is. And that's what's been so frustrating. And so we'll, we'll have to see where this ends up. I do know that a lot of these numbers getting thrown around. I don't think these are legitimate. I don't think they're mm -hmm. accurate. That's what was so fascinating with, with Andy's story is he actually had a copy of, copy of the contract that yeah. showed that. But with so many guys out here saying, oh, I was offered X amount of million to go here or there, yeah. I think most of it's BS, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Brett, before we get you off here, I have a little bit of a lightning round for you, a couple questions, if you could answer them real quick. Uh, who's your favorite athlete of all time? Uh, probably Magic Johnson growing up. He was, that's when he was playing for the Lakers. So I really, I really liked him going further back when I was a kid, uh, Roger Staubach, I was a huge Cowboys mm. fan. Not so much now, but I was back then. Yeah. Uh, in your opinion, what's the best college football team of all time? Single team, single year. Oh man. God. I mean, I told you growing up, I was an OU fan. It probably the 74, 75 OU teams. Mm -hmm. I think they were on probation. Uh, they were undefeated. They couldn't go to a bowl game. Uh, mm -hmm. You had Joe Washington. Selmans were around that time. Um, you know, that would that would be it. Or, um, 
Yeah, I would, I would go with that. And then final question, who do you got in the Super Bowl this Sunday? I'm just wondering, you know, did you guys do like a special eight-hour edition on this Jalen Hurts and OU oh, product God. or an we Alabama product? We did we not. Have done that for I, sure. I did put out an article about former Sooner Jalen Hurts. So yeah, well, good luck with that one. Yeah, I don't, and I honestly don't have a dog in that fight, so I don't care. But I'm sure Alabama and OU fans were both claiming them, which is cool. Um, I'm actually, I actually would like. I think Philadelphia is going to win. I think they're. It's not that I want them to win. I think they'll win because I think they have the better offensive and defensive lines. Mahomes is incredible. I just don't think they're going to have the running game. And yeah, I think it'd be cool for Hertz to uh, to win all the stuff he went through in college. He persevered. He's a team guy. He's not an eye guy. And I'm not saying Mahomes is, but I I've always admired Jalen Hurts no matter where he played. And I I think Philly would win. I hope they win. Uh, I hope I'm right. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. Yeah. Awesome. Brett, man, we appreciate you once again, joining us guys, make sure to follow him on Twitter. Also, you rise for action network. And just once again, Brett, really appreciate taking time out of your, I know you're busy. College football is not a season anymore. It's a year round deal. So thank you very much. You got it guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks Brett. Appreciate it.